Welcome to the Counterpress Podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Kinsey, and with me tonight, as always, is Josh Cacho. Josh, how you doing? Doing great. Obviously, you know, it's it's one of those win those those draws that I don't know. I I'm taking more positives than I probably would have, you know, a year or two ago where, you know, some of the you know, because of the way that things went down, um, because of the way that they scored. I'm I'm going to be a little bit more on the glass half full side of things as as comparatively to I think where we had different I don't want to say different expectations but I think this feels much different from the types of games where you know we're 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 giving up a goal we're get, dropping points from a winning position right more often than not as opposed to what it looked like yesterday right obviously we're chasing a goal um but again, like I said, I think there, there's a lot to like, but obviously a lot, a couple things that are concerning, mainly from a health standpoint, um, at least from my position, and that, you know, which we'll talk about, obviously, in a little bit more depth throughout the rest of the pod. Yeah, yeah. So LAFC at home draws against Portland, uh, a very Portland-esque game where they get a goal, uh Kind of a fluky but well-executed goal from Jimmy Chara. He gets another bicycle slash overhead slash sidewinder, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's a it's a great finish from him. LAFC is pretty disorganized, and you can tell Cripo isn't expecting a shot from that angle, and he's he's kind of caught off guard. Can't really blame him for it. Um, and you know that if you give up a goal like that, especially when Portland is on the road they are going to become even more anti-football than they normally are. And it's just a bloodbath of yellow and red after that. Um, that, I mean, just cards upon cards upon cards. And most of them are well-deserved. It's a, it, they are a very cynical team. That is their MO. It, it, and that's not going to change. So Portland's one of those teams that you can't concede early to because that's what you're going to get, and it's going to be an absolute slog to try and pry your way back into the game. Ultimately, LAFC does. Uh, they Portland goes down to 10 men after, I think, six yellow cards, and this was the seventh, I think. I'd have to check on that. Uh, the seventh being the second for Claudio Bravo, who gets sent off. Uh, and LAFC, in the 93rd minute, finally get an equalizer from... <laughs> of all people, Mamadou Fall, who is uh, two feet away from the goal when he finishes this one. Uh, great run from from Rodriguez. A very well-timed run from Mamadou Fall with an assist via push in the back from Chicho Arango telling him when to go. Um, that was a cool moment for, for me to see. Um, but yeah, they they I, I do agree that it's a positive result. I, there are some red flags for me. Um in terms of tactics, but Josh, why don't you go ahead and go into the injury concerns that, uh, that you alluded to there? Yeah. I mean, so we had a couple guys, you know, obviously the two big ones are Escobar leaving in what the 10th minute or something like that. Right. It was, it was early, really was early in the early, game. Yeah. And, um, and then obviously Carlos Vela coming off at the half. Now in, in the presser after the game, um, Trundle said that it was mostly precautionary. Um, you know what that means. I, Again, I mean, I've I've given up trying to <laughs> to guess when it comes to 
the major league soccer injury report list, right? It's not quite it's as detailed as you'd expect from an American sport, which tend, you know, American sports, which because of the money involved in the betting coming through Las Vegas mm-hmm. is why most of those are things come out, right? Like there's a whole industry um, created off of what the, trying to determine whether players are available or not. Um, mm-hmm. And so MLS is definitely a lot more, they don't require nearly as much, um, detail and for good measure right that there's some tactical things that they have to consider and so on and so forth as it pertains to that now as with with escobar um the likelihood of some kind of soft tissue right whether it's a hamstring or something along that line um again if they if if and again with a quick when they have it on a quick hook like they were this may be something that they'd been seeing throughout the week um, and had to be him mm. complaining about. Mm. And it's basically like, Hey, you're going to go, but it, the second you feel anything, given where we are in the season, you're done. Right. Yeah. And my, my guess is you'll probably see him sit for maybe a week. Right. And then be back okay. the week after, right. Give it like, if, if, if it, if it's not anything more than, you know, like a grade one strain of any kind of muscle, you're looking at about, anywhere between one to two weeks off. And then obviously they're going to go through, you know, the um, various types of return to sport testing to determine whether mm-hmm. he's going to be available. Um, with Fella, again, I think there there wasn't too much information that was released. Um, some people were speculating there was kind of a moment where he's on the bench and he's kind of pointing towards his knee. But, you know, when, when I think it was Rodriguez had a chance that Orno and Arango had his chance at the very, very end of the game, right? He was off the bench in a hurry when, you know, and, and yeah, he's up there cheering. Yeah. And so, the, so it doesn't seem like it's anything where, and again, the good thing, and I think one of the more positive things, even especially from even a team chemistry standpoint, is to see him back on the bench cheering the team mm-hmm. on, getting excited for when those opportunities are coming. So, um, you know, I think, I think there's, there's obviously some concern and given his contract situation, it's kind of a weird position to be in where, you know, a week ago, we're basically like pay the man whatever he wants, you know, give him teach the, the, whatever teacher he making now to the question of like, mm, where are we at and where does he stand from a health, yeah. from a health yeah. position? Because that his availability over the last two years has been of concern. Right. And it's been, I think one of the bigger issues as it pertains to whether or not they've wanted to, you know, probably to continue on with the Carlos Vela experiment, you know, in at LAFC. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think those are the, those are try the two. There's a, I think a, they said Acosta came up a little bit lame towards the end of the game. They said that he has a stub toe. I think he got it's cleated. Stub toe. Yeah. Right? Turf toe or something. Yeah. Um, and so that one is probably okay. Probably gonna need a few days off before getting back in the training. And obviously they're going to assess whether or not he's good to go for the next game. So this is where the roster build, right? A year ago, what we're seeing Chrysostomo on the field, we're seeing, you know, um, you know, who, whoever we could, you know, Palacios at the six, Mm -hmm. this is where that roster build really comes into play, right? Even though it's early in the season, this is where, you know, where you can manage minutes where you can really figure things out because again, the MLS season is long. You know, it really does fall into those phases and, while you don't want to put yourself into a position where you're out of the playoffs this early on, which can you can definitely play yourself out of contention, 
very they early. They did it last year. Absolutely, right? Um, this team, the floor, I think, is high enough where I, I don't think that's nearly as much of a concern as it would be a year ago, right? So if Acosta, yeah. if Acosta needs a, you know an extra game to get back to full fitness, you got Latif right there, right? Probably ready to step into that role, um, and especially if, with Ilya. And, you know, you feel more comfortable with him coming in, given that you have Ilya and, and Sifu who are playing well next to him, right? And, you know, and, and Blessing has definitely, you know, for the most part has, has you know, fared well with his showings thus far. Um, you know, and so obviously the the weird one is the right back, right? Where, you know, Escobar comes out and you go with the left-footed Ryan Tollinghead um, in which, you know, you and I have never been fans of this. Um, it, and mm-hmm. it's happened a couple of times over the years where they would start Elmanir. I think it was, that was the 2020 season. I believe right where yeah that was in MLS's back that they were playing him there yeah, yeah. where you would you have Elman near there and it basically cuts off you know a, you know that that third of the field right because yeah. you you know you really aren't expecting him now to hit the overlap and be able to hit those crosses you're basically saying hey we're gonna play them tucked in and then now especially with a team like Portland the defensive midfielder is basically now double teaming with the fullback on the wingers constantly. Mm-hmm. Right, so it changes mm-hmm. the dynamic of how you can attack, and given we lost Carlos Vela at the half, made that even even more difficult as the game went on. Yeah, I mean the Hollingshead thing is is a head scratcher to me, not because I don't like him. It's more just like, okay, Latif Blessing eventually is going to come in it right back, uh, and you have Kim Moon Hwan who is who was a big signing last year and he definitely had his ups and downs and, you know, came started hot producing goals and, and score, you know, both assisting and scoring goals and then defensive liabilities just became too much of a problem for him. And he, and he still seems to be in the doghouse because of it. Um, It's so it is telling to me that it's Hollingshead that comes in early to replace Escobar and then blessing comes in later when you just need somebody, you know, you're, you're looking for more minutes and Palacios has to come off. Palacios. I didn't think had a great, a great match last night. Um, uh, it, I, injuries, um, man, they're going to happen. It's, it's unfortunate that you get two rather significant injuries or, you know, they had to take two significant precautions this early in the, in the season. Um, but uh, that's that's the name of the game. So, like you said, it is it is a little bit heartening that the roster does seem to be deeper this year. Um, we'll see what happens if Kellen Acosta can't go and and Escobar is not available. Then I think you probably will see more Hollingshead. Whereas I'd I'd probably just rather see Blessing at right back if you can afford to put him there. Um, well, and the question which, becomes what how bad is Cheeker hurt, right? Of the, th- of the three guys yeah. that went off with injuries, he's the one that looked the worst for wear, right? Like when he limped off the field. Yeah. He, that was a hard, hard tackle. Right. He, on, on Cheeky. he looked, he looked the one, he looked to be the one that was the most injured. Whereas, you know, you saw Escobar kind of take off, you know, kind of sprint or kind of try to recover. And then, you know, just like, hey. yeah, I mean, he was still playing, right? He, it's not like he just went down and stopped playing. Yeah. Like, so, 
you know, and then same thing with Vela that, you know, both of them kind of came off. And again, it, my guess is this is something that they've been based on where, how and when it happened. These are things that have, they've been monitoring, th- monitoring throughout the week. And then yeah. based yeah. on what, what their reports are. And as the training staff is checking on them, that's likely how they're making the decisions to keep, you know, to sub out at that point. Yeah. The other tough thing here is with Segura injured, you can't start Mario at right back, which we know that he's, he's played there in the past. I don't think we've seen him much there with LAFC. I don't think he's going to fit that profile aside from being a great defender in space. He's not a great passer. And I don't think he's going to give you much in terms of buildup or, or threat in the final third. But now if you're looking for a reason not to have to start Hollingshead there, then he might be an option. Now, didn't we see fall play at right back? I think the game that we went to last year, right? Um, the Kansas City game where they got smashed. I mean, you know what? I am, I am very, I'm vaguely remembering. Yeah, because I want to say, I want to say at the time he had just come up, and I believe that was when they were they were really, you know, I think they had started Blackman and. Mario together. I think that was your pairing at the time. Mm. And Fall came you in know, at, if, at right yeah. back. If that is the He's I mean, he's probably one of the better passers of of the of the defenders. Yeah, I mean the hmm, I'd I'd be I'd be hesitant to put him there again, just if nothing else based on us seeing him there. Uh man, that's that's a I don't know. I mean, he he does have the, he's got the ability to drive the ball forward. He's got the ability to play both, um, you know, short, well timed passes as well as 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 well as long aerial passes. So his passing range is probably all right. Um, is he left footed, Josh? No, right footed, I believe. He's okay. just come from what I can tell. Just I haven't seems yeah, to be comfortable. Yeah, I'm. I, I I I haven't noticed. Like I haven't picked up on. Oh, he's always on his right foot. Like like Mario, for example, or or even Segura is is very right footed. Um, but anyway, uh, so maybe yeah, maybe maybe it's fall that spells there. I I think I'd still rather put Mario there. Uh, I think fall at at center back is probably my guy for the rest of the season. Yeah. Um, once Segura comes back, uh. Not just because of the goals, but because of the way that he defends, and especially the way that he passes from the back. Um, Josh, I do, I do have concerns about the midfield, man. I, I don't know if I'm as negative as I was positive after the Colorado game. I think, I think I saw enough in the Colorado game to see, like, okay, this midfield is actually doing different things than last year. But last night's game was a regression towards the mean is, is what I would say. Not all the way to the mean, but towards the mean in terms of a stagnant midfield that wasn't connecting passes internally and then creating a free man and finding him. Uh, everything was, you know, over the top or from the fullbacks to the wingers and then seeming to counter press it. I felt like the, the fullbacks were pushed really high all game, probably to counter press those 50, 50 balls that we were sending to the wingers. Um, but man, Portland is just, they're ready for that. They're just ready to play that game. Uh, and I think it's, I think it's a bit of a trap to play that way. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the, the problem that you run into, right. Is that 
when you set up your team you know <clears throat> with a more industrious midfield right and this is something that we had talked about um in the build up to the season where you know the, the model seems to be less of less of the half space merchants right in that Manchester City mold and going more towards that like you know like uh, that Liverpool of you know I think there was like that of that Champions League run where again those are guys that that are not creators by any means right like mm-hmm. they're they're there basically to defend and to recycle the ball and to put in the hard yards in in the press now in absent what happens is when you, in absence of your talisman, right, in absence of a Carlos Vela who's going to create on their own and do those different things, right, now that becomes a problem because you just don't have that guy who's going to be able to create from the midfield. Now, I think the one huge difference between last year and this year, right, is that in in the past two seasons, you know, and again, not even just last year, but the season before that, when we weren't creating the midfield would attempt to create and then also lose balance, like field balance. Right? Yeah. This team has, from, you know, this team has yet to lose field balance in terms of, you know, like, yeah, the fullbacks were pushed super high, but who, you know, like you basically had all the midfielders basically underneath, underneath ready to defend. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was rather programmed. It was Ilya. Literally be to, I mean, we, this is kind of a cliche term at this point, but you know, the six dropping in between the, mm-hmm. the center backs, but most of the time they were in a three, four, three, three, four, one, two ish, you know, uh, like that's, that's the shape that they were in for a long stretches of this game where the fullbacks do push high again, I think to count, to help counter press. And then Kellen Acosta's, filling in at left back while Palacios is, is gone. Or Sifu's yeah. on the right when Hollingshead is forward, right? So they're they're covering for each other dependent on what's, you know, who's pushed forward at that and moment. And again, what and I think like I said, while because we have to create, you know, you're trying to create width and creativity dumplings because the mid block is basically I mean they're they're like Portland is basically sticking, you know, both center for defensive midfielders in the seams, right in the half space yeah. between yeah. between the center backs, and and you you really can't play through that. But I think what you would see, like like I said, what we would have seen last year, right in the years past, is you know a Mark Anthony K or a Sifu basically trying to play a, a through ball through through that block. We're gonna play it there. We're gonna play it there anyway, right? Yeah, it doesn't matter. And we're gonna try. You know, and it's like they would play it no matter no matter what Portland did. You're basically just trying to knock that you know basically play through a brick wall right yeah. versus at least yesterday the attempt was to play outside of it right so you're getting the fullbacks pushed up high hitting you know hitting those cutbacks you know again and i think the deceptive number was the amount of crosses right i know you brought it up as something of concern for me i think it depends on i think it doesn't that number doesn't differentiate between the type of passes that we saw right was it a lofted cross for someone to get on, you know, on the end of it, like an aerial ball. No, I think most of it were dribbled to end line, cut back inside, you know, low fizz crosses across the face of goal, which is what we ultimately ended up scoring on because it's the only way to find a seam with Portland's defensive line dropped in as deep as they were after they get that early goal. Right. And so again, I think the, 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 the positive, outlook on this is basically like hey we no matter even though 
right? We're pushing the numbers high. We never lost that that sense of field security and field field balance that I think would have easily, you know, again we would have given up two or three goals um, in the last two years, right? And then you pick, take zero points versus one. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that I will say about Fallen Mario is their speed and individual defensive effort when recovering is second to none. So, like, there are plenty of times where those guys were far higher than I would have ever pushed them. Um, and Portland looks to, to hit on the counter and they were, and we're able to recover and put out the fire. Um, and I do agree that the, you know, a four, four, two mid block is not a well drilled four, four, two mid block, not Greg Burhalter's four, four, two mid block of a year and a half ago. Uh, it's hard to play through. It's not, it's not simple. And that's why you see teams go to three in the back. So, they can they can at least force the the two strikers to engage and to pressure the back line, right? So you have a numerical superiority there with your back three. Um, it's one of like the most classic times to go to a back three is when you know that you're going to face this kind of setup. So dropping Ilya, dropping Acosta on the left, or dropping uh, Sifu on the right makes a lot of sense. Pushing your wing backs, your your full backs, I should say, high and and wide of the opposing wingers, right. Or the opposing outside midfielders makes a lot of sense. Um, but you still have to have movement and connectivity in the midfield and it's not easy, but you're getting paid millions of dollars to do it. So to me, I think the best example, and it's kind of, you can call it a cheap shot to go after Latif in this manner, but he's, you know, we've picked on him and, and Mark Anthony K for two years now talking about the passing just isn't good enough. Um, I tweeted a video. I think it's from the 77th around there in the seventies, I believe uh, 76 minute or something like that where Latif picks up a ball and there's plenty of space to drive forward. All three forwards are well into the opposing half and he drives, feels a little pressure and, kind of like turns right and then immediately passes to Chicho, but it's done so obviously that a defender is able to close 10 yards and, and intercept the, the pass. So to me, that's the kind of stuff where it's like this midfield has to do better at finding the feet of the attackers in dangerous positions. And there's a, there's a, there's an old Bielsa quote, I, I it's something along the lines of there's 36 different ways to communicate with a pass. And it's obviously a bit facetious, but uh, like Latif's communication on that pass is, I don't know. I got to get this ball to you somehow. And we're just going to send it to you. Right. And Chicho looks super disappointed afterwards because it's like that, that ball isn't hit hard enough. It's not hit to the right side. Latif doesn't properly scan the field he doesn't read the situation right where he passes it off the off of that shoulder so chicho can turn with it or or hold on to the ball longer he's not under any pressure so he can continue to drive until somebody actually opens up but that's the kind of stuff that is just so emblematic of a midfield that looked poor all last year and so when i see it again on a night like last night especially where Latif is just driving in open space. It's like, you know, God, please don't let this happen again this year. Yeah. I mean, like I thought, I thought we had this solved against Colorado. I mean, I think part of it is that you're going to have, you're going to have to break bad habits, right? 
These are things, yeah. you know, like yeah. Latif became Latif under a Bob who demanded that he do exactly that every single game or risk seeing the bench. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think a part of it is that is understanding. It's like, even though the, the relative game model and, and the principles are staying fairly the same, I do see the stamp that Trundle is putting on this team from a mm-hmm. defensive standpoint. Right. Because like I was saying, like in, in previous games, we give up two or three more trying to chase that yeah. goal. And, yeah. and I think, what we're able to do from, you know, from a field bench. And Ilya goes a long way to understanding that, right? Because I think, you know, whereas you had at last year, you had Atuesta kind of take on that creative role. So he ended up pushing high, but neither, neither Latif nor Kay or whoever was starting alongside Atuesta, right. Was going to provide that field balance when he pushes for it, right? Like with this particular midfield trio, you you see it fairly often, and I think you saw it more. I think it was like I saw um, Sifu doing it more than I did in the first game because it let the first game it was definitely just more Acosta and and Ilya who were dropping to pick up the ball, and then they they're the ones driving mm-hmm. forward in the space. This one Sifu did it a little bit more, and then obviously when you have to make the random change, you, you know, like when you have Hollingshead having to play where he is, that changes the dynamic too because now he's pinched in, yeah. and then it puts it puts you in a weird situation in terms of the the spacing across the midfield cuz now you're you're you know you're in a you know in a bank of four as opposed to yeah. you know the the three, you know that 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 three that you would typically expect um where you know the you know, it's something that just dawned on me you you mentioned Hollings had changed the way you play um that could be another reason that Vela comes off right if you have to play a left-footed right back because Moon gives you nothing and Vela does take a knock. Like that honestly makes a lot of sense in why you would bring in Opoku there to play a right as a as a traditional winger and you have Hollingshead coming inside naturally. Mm-hmm. Um I hadn't I hadn't considered not that you're going to like not that you're ever going to look for a reason to sub off Vela in in a especially in a game where you're down, but um the, I I would be interested to get in a room with Steve and ask him that question. Like, does that factor in at all with you, or is it really about pace? Which uh, I don't remember Opoku looking that fast last year. His ability to get around defenders when I mean when he is on the move, he looks like a different category of athlete than than what is that than what else is out there. Yeah, I mean, it's that he's got he's got to add a little bit in terms of like his touch and finishing, right? Oh yeah, I mean the technique is not there. Not, that's, but that's but like you're saying, right? In terms of a guy who can get get around on the dribble, right, with the ball at feet, and then make something happen, you know, just put you in an uncomfortable situation because now you're having yeah. to play from behind, right? Which is again a lot different than the way that you have to defend Carlos Vela, right? Where especially now because yeah. he wants yeah. to cut in and then. You don't really have that overlap option. Again, basically every time Carlos touches the ball when Hall, after Escobar goes off, right? You basically have the fullback and the center of defensive mid just crashing into him with regularity, and yeah. I think that's probably mm-hmm. where he gets a little beat up. And then that's it. Like you're saying at that point, right? Do you do you think about hey, if they're basically going to beat him up, and we don't have an option to 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 change the field dynamics in a different way? Can we give him 
given an opportunity to get healthy or stay healthy here while also changing the dynamic of the game with with Apoku making those runs over the top, right? And kind of stretching the field a little more because it definitely started giving Portland some problems where now, right, you can have, well, again, at that point also, right, then Cheeky went off and then then they flip, right? Then you have, Mm -hmm. right, Hollingshead go to the left. I think it was Acosta that went to the right. Blessing comes in. Yeah. I think Blessing Blessing came in. At right back? I thought that's where he initially came in at and then kind of like drifted into the midfield. Because then we went to like a four striker because Musovsky comes in and you have essentially four forwards. So I think you just see Latif coming forward more. Got it. It was like a 4-4-2, I think, at one point, right? Where you had... um... Yeah, it's like a 4-4-2 that's going into a 4-2-4, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, again, it gives you a little, give you some things different, you know. And obviously, like I said, you you have that opportunity to protect to protect Vela there, and and really kind of make mm-hmm. sure that he's good to go. So I don't know, right? It's something to consider and something to think about. Um, and like you're saying, obviously, like if Vela's if Vela's good, you're not going to, you know, like you're you're just gonna have Hollingshead make runs regardless if he's gonna get the ball or not. Right, just to yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah, for the sake of doing it. Um, well, I mean, that's the thing is, so I mean, in terms of like, a, if you're going with a true positional play model, which I don't think, uh, I don't think they are. I, you know, I think people, you know, every, everybody steals concepts and makes their own, their own mix. But it's this isn't like pure Pep Guardiola positional play, right? But you can still put Hollingshead out there to make the run all the way to the corner flag, get on the ball. And now you're playing in that game center on the, on the right wing in the, in the attacking third, like that's fine. And he can still play and hold that position as a left footer. He's just not going to give you, you know, pinpoint right footed crosses. I don't For think. sure. But I mean, given what, you know, like the confusion that we saw on the goal, for example, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, maybe may, you know, again, maybe it's a concern where, you know, you just don't want to risk like trying to do too much there and yeah. causing yeah. more more opportunities for like basically a car crash to to happen because Yeah, it, it's something that I like I don't I don't really want to see Hollingshead out there and again, it's it's nothing against him. It's just that when I when I watch him play there, it's like, well, this guy like his tendency is to drift central when he's playing at right back because he's normally playing on the left. So of course he's going to, he's going to naturally drift that direction yeah, because this, that's where he's because been playing. Especially when the second he switches to the left looks incredibly better. Right. And, and yeah, actually looked very better, involved in the attack much and, better than you know, what like, Palacios was doing earlier in the game too. Yeah. Pal- I mean, Palacios had, had a bit of a shocker yesterday and that, that's kind of like two games in a row for him this season. Um, his, uh, his, his status as like a as a good signing is definitely in question for me. But yeah, but I mean I think, you know, as with Mario and with Palacios, I think when you bring in those two signings, though there's an understanding and same thing even with Acosta in the midfield, right? When you bring in some of these guys, there's an understanding that this is no longer a given that you're gonna see the field. Like it is going to be yeah. a fight because yeah. these guys have been there and done that for years in this league. Right. So you either got to show up or show out. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that 100%. That's Acosta, Ilya, Hollingshead, and, and Escobar. All four of them are just that. Right. It's this, this man can start and he will start 
unless you unless you take it from mm-hmm. him. So and again, if if you see one, if those guys end up playing themselves off the field, right? I mean, I mean, but I think, like I said, given given how long some of them been there and those different things, you give them the opportunity to play themselves off, right? Yeah, I I think Mario has actually been fairly decent thus far, right? You still have those mm-hmm. those moments where you kind of have to hold your breath a little bit, but he's yet to make a mistake that I'm like, you know, like like I'm flabbergasted at, like we were last year. Right, where you're like, man. Yeah, where it's just like a boneheaded pass. Yeah, like that is just dangerous, like unnecessarily dangerous. Right. Um, where we've, yeah. you know, we've had when we've had those moments with Latif too, where you're just like, what are you thinking? Right. There hasn't <laughs> been any of like, again, I don't know if it's just because you have guys like Ilya supporting it, you know, guys who have been there, and you know, mm-hmm. and who are kind of just running, you know, and Corpo even who kind of just run the show, you know, from from deep. Um, maybe it limits the the types of thing, you know, because again, the one thing that we felt with the keepers of the lat, our keepers as as of late, right, was indecisiveness, right? Not a commanding yeah. presence, all those different things. Cropo is everything those guys aren't, right? And ma- I mean, Cropo is a, a major leader on this team. Yeah. Towards the end of the game, I he had a either it was either a save or somebody chased the ball down. I can't remember what it was. I think it was a save. Or he picked up a clearance, and he runs out, and he—I mean—he is outside of the box as the as the team is advancing the ball out of uh, out of their own half, and you—I mean—arms in the air, hyping the crowd, hyping the team, clapping his hands, and like it's it's extremely noticeable. He's like he's so far out of the box, just trying to like hype them up and get them amped for for another another try at at goal. Um, that's. That's something I, mean, I I don't know that I've ever seen somebody cape that hard for this team in the middle of a game. Have you? I mean, the closest thing is probably Latif against the Galaxy when I think he went off and had like two goals, right? A, two goals, yeah. Right. In 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 that moment, that's probably the closest thing to that. Um, where you felt like a guy was giving everything that they possibly had for the badge, right? But yeah, Kropo yeah. just does it every game. Yeah, but he, he, that's right? the thing. It's like Latif does it like to score goals. So it's like it's in question, right? Am I celebrating the goal? You know, what am I actually hyped up? This man just picked up a ball and rolled it out and is now just behind the attack as the biggest cheerleader on the field, right? So that, I don't know. It's just something different. I don't remember seeing any of that from him when he was at Vancouver. I don't know if that's something new about him. Or if that's always been there, we were just ignorant to it. I mean, again, it's something often, that I like to see. How often are we watching Vancouver games that we'd actually care, right? We only, no, Josh, I have things to right? do. We're, I have much better things to do. We're, than, we're than probably only watching, you know, watching what he does when they're against LAFC, right? And again, it's a, yeah, he, yeah, he's playing, you know, and he's just basically trying to absorbing keep, shots, yeah, keep the ship yeah. from sinking at that point, um, <laughs> even though they played much better than we did down the stretch last year. Um, yeah, yeah. But, you know, again, I think the one, but I think, like I said, it can't be discounted how much those influences are on a, on a back line that often felt disjointed, right? And so when you have that guy behind you, you're going, you know, or, you know, for example, like like the final goal, we tweet, you know, you talked to me about this, how, you know, about how you see Chicho come up and kind of put, you know, kind of give fall that head start as to when to, you know, make his attacking yeah. run there. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's those little intangible things 
right? That, you know, or, you know, what you see from Kerpo or what you see from Ilya, those influences that get the best of the guys around them, right? And, I, and while Carlos Vela is an, is an immense individual talent, he's, he's definitely not a guy that always makes everyone around him better, right? But no, no, like he's, not at all. You know, he's more Ronaldo than he is Messi, right? In terms of mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. what, you know, or he's more Kobe than he is Lebr- uh, LeBron, right? And yeah, yeah. Maybe not yeah. so much this year, but because um, the Lakers are terrible. But um, in terms of a guy... <laughs> LeBron is disinterested, man. Take it from a guy who, again, I'm, I'm forever attached to the Lakers, but I spent a good amount of time in Cleveland. Uh, he's not interested He's done. Yeah. And so, you know, when you look at, you know, but when you look at those types of those talents, right, it's it's the individual individual guy that kind of raises everything up because they're that good. Yeah. Or yeah. do you have a guy that just does everything so, you know, that can get people involved and bring them to play their best. Right. And I th- yeah. and I think the the Iliés, the the Kerpos, right, do tend to bring up the guys around them like I think, I think Sifu and Blessing's floor is much higher because of an Ilié, right? Versus we've yeah, yeah. we've definitely yeah. seen rock bottom for, from those guys at times, right? Making the worst of mistakes. But again, you haven't seen much much of that because I think they're they just have so much structure and 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 presence around them, you know, compared yeah. to the past. Which again is what we've argued for forever now, right? Yeah. The idea that you have to have a veteran-laden team that you sprinkle around the high-quality talent and the youth that is going to be inconsistent, right? That's how you. That's how you have a winning team. So I think you're. I think you're spot on there, man. Well, should we get into some questions here, Josh? Yeah, let's do it. I should have had these already queued up. I'm sorry. Let me get to them real quick. All right. So the first one is from Lou. Lou at the crew. Why are they celebrating when the game is not over? Three minutes left and up a man. This was a big topic of conversation. Drew a lot of uh, finger pointing online from the usual suspects, anonymous MLS accounts. Oh, ha, ha, look at LA. Um, Josh, what are your thoughts on this? I think it's given what you had to do to to get to that one goal, right? I mean, I think, like I said, Portland Portland is a professional defensive team in every sense of the world. Yeah, right. And so yeah. to finally be able to break them down and to get that to get that goal, right? I mean, again, like like you tell me, you're going to score two goals against a against that Portland defense. You have to do it. You have to do it. You have to get the first goal. Yeah. If you get the first goal, you can score two easy. Yeah. If you said, if if you if you push. if you make them play 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 out, right, you can drop anywhere between two and four in Portland on with regularity. We saw it in in 2019, right, with Portland playing the exact same tactics under Severacy. So I think in this particular case, right, I think it's just a matter of like again. Having having had to put everything behind it and getting that goal, knowing you know with 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 Vela on the bench with all these things, right? It's again, it's a moment that 
again, like from if removing the context from it and removing all these different things, yeah, you're like, oh yeah, we should we should be pushing for a second goal. But when you kind of yeah. look at it in totality, yeah, right? Like this is a game they lose they lose easy last year. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. What you give up the goal and it then it's over. Um, yeah, I, to me, ideally, what you do, yeah, you grab the ball, you run it back to the to the halfway line, set it down, and get ready to defend. But I mean, to score a goal like that in the ninety third minute, like I don't know, it's pretty tough to it's pretty tough to expect them to just think well we have we have 60 seconds left we're definitely going to score another and one. fall is so, what 19 years old man give yeah. the man his moment yeah yeah i mean that's the the that's a once you get past the 85th minute you're playing for an equalizer that's it like there's no so the equalizer then becomes the win right so that, I, I get it there's still time left you want to see him play to the whistle right uh but what are you going to do? All right. Strictly football at official SF pod, Josh. Some, a, a new person just dropping in. Uh, obviously a Portland fan. Is the ref always this sus in LAFC games? Josh. Okay. Let me, what are your thoughts about Ismail Elfath at LAFC? So Elfath historically for LAFC is one of the two worst referees that we've ever had. 100%. Right? The only 100%. one worse is Ted Uncle as it pertains to <laughs> LAFC, right? Like Elfath and, and like they don't control the games, right? They let, they tend to let the physicality get out of control um, with regularity. Like the only, there's really only one ref that I, I want to have on the field in these, or there's probably two, right? Fisher. Mm-hmm. Cause he's a big time, he's a big time ref. Like he, you know, like, yeah, he's, yeah, the, he's yeah. the guy they go to in the MLS Cup to make sure that everything goes smoothly, right? And the other one is Robert Sabiga, right? Is that the young guy? No, he's the he's bald and has a goatee. Oh, okay. Right? Like yeah. those are guys that they're they're the ones who are giving cards out super early in the game to make sure that yeah. this the the stuff doesn't happen. Now, if <laughs> I'm not sure how you can go into that game considering how Portland plays every single game and how often Diego Char has deserved red card upon red card upon red card and then yeah. make complaints. Like Portland's not the team that should be complaining about about cards being given not out because of the way that all. they play. Like you've got Diego Chara and and Claudio Bravo who are just notorious for taking dumb yellows. Two years ago Diego Char was on a yellow already. And Diego Rossi is running by and he flicks him in the air. And Diego Rossi or flicks him in the ear, excuse me. Diego Rossi makes a meal of it. Full Uruguayan diving team. But as soon as the video sees him make contact in his ear, it's a mandatory yellow, right? So you have players that do dumb things on Portland. It's their MO. It's what they do, right? Um, so the, the fact that like Chicho gets around Bravo, who's already on a yellow and he's at the end line and the ball's probably gone already, but do not pull an attacker back when it's anywhere near dog. So level, and this wasn't dog. So, but you're stalling an attack, right? 
And like, it's just a ticky tack thing. There's no reason to even pull them back and you still do it. You're going to get a card. Yeah. And I mean, and, and they're also lucky that Espria didn't pick up a, a red card as well for, for yeah. the same thing for, you know, for kind of like a, what do you call it? A, what's the word that Pep uses? The tactical, the tactical, the foul, tactical foul on the yeah. on when they're about to go on the break, but it usually results in a yellow. But he was already on. Yeah, one. so he that and that was it. I think he got lucky because it was like really early on the break. Yeah, uh, they were still. We were like still in our defensive third when he pulled down. Who was it that he pulled down? I don't remember. It was it was like on the left on the left side of the field though, right? Mm-hmm. Is that the one I'm thinking of? Yeah, yeah. I think it was probably right. I thought. When I saw that, I thought they're going to ten, they're going to nine men, and like the, again, they're soft, dumb fouls that they're taking. But yeah, the idea that anybody who watches Portland regularly thinks that this was out of the ordinary is mind blowing to me. Yeah, just mind blowing. And then saying maybe they just, and on top of that, right? As I said given given the fact that Elfath normally doesn't do anything. Yeah, right? I, I, yeah. Uh, normally Elfath games get out of control real quick when LAFC is involved um, or just anytime. So it, it definitely seemed like he came out to call the game tight and that's exactly what he did. Uh, LAFC walks out of here with, I think two or three yellow cards as well. So it's not like it was super lopsided. Um, the last thing that I'll say is again, if you watch Portland regularly and you thought this was weird, you probably only watch Portland and nothing else. And therefore like, and because it's like, therefore you have no frame of reference by which to judge Portland properly. All right. Tom Camilleri at Bronco fan. seven. Got to learn how, uh, Hmm. Got to learn how to muck through these ugly games. Got to learn how to deal with teams who are happy to lay back and clog the middle on defense thinking it's not, uh, fire crosses into a wall of four guys or dribble slow. till you get your pocket picked. But one point is better than losing. It's kind of like we said, you know, once you're past the 85th minute and you're down one nothing, the equalizer is the win. Yeah, I mean, but, I mean, a couple of times, like I said, it, it, Brian did make some frustrating decisions trying to dribble through the, through the block, right? Yeah, Not ideal. Yeah. Um, and that's where I think your point comes into play where you're like, hey, you need the midfield to step up and at least be able to play off of them so that he can make yeah. a run, right? So Or, or at least so you can change it. So Brian just takes the space, mm-hmm. right? Whatever space they give you, Brian, take that space. And then the midfield will come take it back from you and create from there. Chicken or the egg argument yeah. there. I don't know what the answer so, is. So, you know, so I, I, I do agree with a little bit of that, but again, I think given, given the goal you give up early, I get at that point, yeah. you're yeah. not going to get, mu- you're not going to get much from Portland um, in terms of them being willing to now, play out of you know come out of their shell mm-hmm. and so you know you're left with trying to create with you know again you know like that's why the fullbacks were pushed so high but given you didn't have a right back for you know what 50 percent of the game hey you know like you 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 do you do you work with what you're given man at least it wasn't marco farfan out there on the right true too soon Next one at Alistair Christie at Christiali. What worries me is that we all know how Portland were going to play and we didn't seem to have any plan to get through their low block. Pretty sure we got caught three V two on breakaways against a team with 10 men. Mario and Falwork on 
uh, were comically bad at times too. Yeah, I think I think they were just pushing. Like they were just pushing for a goal. So Mario and Fall were just way upfield as they were try, trying desperately to get a goal. I mean, at the end, both Mario and Fall are in the penalty area to get on the end of crosses. Yeah. So well, and and again, you have to think the way the way that Portland's defending and, and the way that we like to attack right is through those wings, whether with either Rodriguez or Vela, right? So obviously yeah. the heart, the majority of their defense was, you know, they are good pushing out defensive midfielders you know, to support the fullbacks out there. So where's your available, you know, what's going to become available, right? And once you bypass their forward line, Mario and Fate and Fall did have space to dribble up and make plays. You know, and so a lot of you saw Fall make that that first pass and then make a run, right? You know, but again, yeah. you know, like I basically saw Liverpool rip leads apart and get Bielsa fired, you know, like what, two weeks ago doing that exact same thing. Yeah. No, yeah. And neither neither uh fall nor mario is van dyke or joel matip so you know you, you probably have to be a little bit careful about it but again that 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 is to a certain degree taking what the defense is giving you and then trying to make something happen yep uh next one from alistair sifuna costa we're poor tonight palacios couldn't beat the first man with all 50 of his cross attempts <laughs> it, palacios crosses are just ugh. So slow when moving the ball forward, but we found a way to get that goal. Segura can't come back soon enough. Truly missed Atuesta tonight. The only thing I'll say about missing Atuesta is I think it was a tactical problem tonight. I, I really do. Uh, I don't think any of those midfielders uh, were unduly poor or, you know, personally responsible for the midfield failing i think it's a i think it's still a tactical thing with them but yeah because i mean at that point i don't think they're being asked to create in those moments the way they would have been a year ago right so i think yeah the, yeah again i think the when once vela goes out right the create the creative forces are basically given to the mid the fullbacks and brian and yeah i for me i, I just still want to see and I know I'm getting hung up on this and people are probably so sick of me saying this, but uh, shut off the podcast, I guess, because I'm going to keep saying it until I see it. I just want to see more balls into the midfield, combination play, and making making runs off of each other in the midfield that helps to actually pull apart a defensive block where it's just not, it's just all ball into the midfield or and then straight back out or straight over the top of the midfield to a winger. but. What are you going to do? I'm not the coach. Lionel Hutz, at from cheap seat. Solid game. Not much they could do on that Chara goal. Still lacking a chance creator in the midfield. <clears throat> Hashtag sign Ross Barkley. But at least it's better than the results we experienced last year against Portland. Josh? Yeah, I mean, I think, again, Lionel's, Lionel's a longtime listener, right? And yes. and, and so yes. I, I, the... His understanding there is basically where we've we've been and have been at for a long time. Yeah, right. Like no, that's why I, that's why I ad libbed the Ross Barkley yeah. thing, right? Because we all know we all know what's missing. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, and again, and it is that it is that midfielder, that high quality. And I'm going to go to my Liverpool well one more time because it, I know it frustrates everyone who's ever listened to this podcast. But <laughs> you know, you look at you look at the team that was more industrious and they had a hard time breaking things down, right? So then you have to have bring in guy. You have to have these, you know, these fullbacks that turned in to the two of the best yeah, in the world, right? Yeah. So that solves part of your problem. But even then, 
the looping of crosses into that is not always the greatest tactic, right? So their solution yeah, yeah. to also have coming off the bench, right, was a guy like Alex Ockley, Chairman, or like Thiago, who can now make those line-splitting mm-hmm. passes. So mm-hmm. again, the the upside of being in a league that has zero salary cap is that you can basically collect all those people and play whatever way yeah. you want to, given the situation. Same thing with Manchester City, you know, any any of these big teams is that regardless of the situation that you're confronted with, you're going to have someone available to you, right? I mean, like Shakiri is what one of the best, you know, like now, you know, one of the the better creative forces. I think he had like he's like one of the top two in key passes through the first two games. Right. No one will get on the end of it, but he's setting people up, you know, and yeah. he's a guy that was coming off off the bench for limited minutes for, you know, Liverpool, Bayern Munich yeah, you know, yeah. and Real Madrid, mm-hmm. you know, on, on big runs. So, you know, to net, you know, to think that we're trying to find that that person who can get a creative piece off the bench when the first tactic doesn't work in a salary cap league, you know, maybe we should have traded Bryce Duke. I don't know. <laughs> I'll never let them live it down. MLS Now at MLS Now Podcast is Palacios always that wasteful in the attack. I don't know about always that wasteful. Um, he is frequently ineffective in the attack, is what I will say. Last year, you and I talked a lot about uh, why we didn't like LAFC in the 352, and it went beyond just our general disdain for that system. But people kept pointing to Seattle as a model, right? And we kept saying they have Brad Smith and Alex Roldan who are providing you with a viable attacking option in the final third. And LAFC did not have that last year. Uh, Moon had it initially and then kind of lost it. And then after that, there was nobody at either wingback spot to, to give you that. Yeah, I mean, it, it tells you something that the performance that Palacios put in that we were most impressed at was when he played the six and not left back. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really quite odd. Like that you put him in a spot where like just still defending in space, but now just connecting shorter passes and just, you know, helping to set the tempo as opposed to the one pushing the attack and, and really picking out the final ball from the side. All right, Somber Amarath at Somber Amarath. A lack of urgency in organization for most of the game. We failed to exploit spaces, and we fell back into bad habits such as trying to walk the ball in. That being said, we did react eventually to grind out a result. The injuries are worrisome, but we live to fight on. Josh? In terms of them trying to walk the ball in, I mean, I think you have to try and do something to pull that. Like launching launching shot after shot after shot from outside the box is not any better, right? So try, you know, and, and again, the criticism of trying to walk the ball in goes back to like the Bob time where they're, you know, they're probably past, you know, they're overpassing, if you will. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think you you have to create that horizontal stress somewhere or another. And it, and it has to come via that tiki-taka as opposed to, again, like just launching as many volleys towards, towards goal as you can. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, I mean, you, you saw Brian, especially in the second half, once Carlos was gone. Like that's the attack was running through Brian, and he's kept cutting in, cutting in, cutting in, and he would just run into doubles. Like as soon as he would cut in on the right foot, 
towards the top of the box to line up a shot. Like there were, there was another guy closing him down. So he'd take his defender inside and then another defender would come help to add, to add additional pressure. So, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's a lot for a lack of trying. I think Portland just closed that down, yeah, you know, and then um, I mean, and they took away those shots. Maybe, you, maybe instead of having Chicho drop his deep, you can have him make that run across, across that face yeah. and, and it pulls the Christian Ramirez mm-hmm. run, right? Where it, yeah. where it now freezes that, that second defender for just a half second to give you more time. Yeah. So that would be probably my, my only thing is that, like I said, I think, I think Chicho finds himself wanting to get on the end of a cross more than wanting to make that, that hard run, you know, again, you know, again, he's a true striker, right? So he's a guy that wants mm-hmm. to, wants to, wants the ball and wants to be able to do things with it. But in that situation, right, maybe you just need someone to make that run across the face to cause that, yeah, yeah. that little bit of distraction, give you that, that room to operate. Cause like I said, I think Brian was sensing opportunity. I mean, he had that one, that, that, Portland's keeper somehow got a hand too, right? There was that yeah, curler to the yeah. back post, and I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. you know, like he, Brian showing some things here that you haven't seen from him yet, right? In terms of, you know, pro, you know, trying to be able to hit quality strikes towards the back of goal, right? And you know, we've always wanted to see him fully operate on that left hand side. So again, I think I think the you're right. I think the biggest thing at this point is trying to just kind of see how I think they have to learn how to make runs off each other as opposed to kind of sitting. I think what's happening right now is when, when either Velo and or Brian get on the ball, it's a lot, it's a little bit too much uh, ball watching. Yeah. Right. It's like, yeah, I'm experiencing something, some greatness, but you gotta, you gotta kind of assist that a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, to me, that's, that's indicative of we get the ball to Brian or Carlos and then our job is done. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not, it's not again, to go back to Bielsa, I'm sorry to do this, but like how I, I have to get open for the man who's going to get the ball next. Like that's, that's the way you play this game. Right. And if it's just, well, we got the ball to Brian and now we'll see what he does. That, that's, that's not as anti-football as Portland, but it's, it's headed that direction. All right. Last one, Justin 33 W a frightening amount of injuries tonight. I hope everyone is well. All these injuries and Janelle and Moon still can't sniff the pitch. That's more than a million in cap wasting on the bench. That's a really good point. Uh, Acosta playing right back. Maybe maybe you were right. Maybe I had it wrong. Maybe uh, it sounds like Acosta was at right back and not blessing. I don't know. Acosta playing right back is damning for Moon. Hope he's calling his agent. Yeah, I mean, I think you we speculated about this a little bit yesterday. It's like, is it signaling... Maybe something to come. We'll see, right? I think, I think, like with all these guys, they're they're all given that opportunity to show up in training and to really show up because, again, the competition is definitely fierce for playing time. Now, yeah, I'm starting to wonder, and I'd have to go back and look at it, um, if Acosta was actually playing right back or if he just flattening out underneath underneath the fullback again, um, right? Mm-hmm. Like like both he and Sifu had been doing all game long, so that. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. may have been a little bit more of that with the fullbacks pushing up super high again. So it it may have just been Latif up super high with, with Acosta underneath him from the fullback, I mean, from the midfield as opposed to, um, yeah, as opposed to the other way around. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, Josh, anything else before we get out of here tonight? No, so again, we look at, the, I think the next game we go on the road to Miami. Seems like there's a, 
yes. fairly large contingent yes. of the LAFC 3252 heading out there. So it'll be awesome um, to hear the hear the battle between them and you know Miami's turned out to have a pretty you know pretty vocal supporter section yeah. too. So it'll yeah, be nice good. to see that back and forth. And uh, they just gave up a nickel to. Uh to Austin FC, Austin FC with 10 goals this season. Absolutely, already. right? And so, you know, again, I mean, they've, they've haven't exactly played against the greatest of competition and Iguain looks like exactly what we expected from Iguain when you, when, yeah. you know, there's a reason why he's available. And so, yeah. So, I mean, um, again, this, this should be an opportunity for LAFC to kind of put it all together. And obviously you hope that yeah. everyone gets healthy and is available for travel this match. But I think that's, you know, the thing too. And obviously I think um, from a bigger football and soccer perspective, you know, you obviously you just gotta, your, your heart, your heart and your prayers go out to, you know, the families that were involved in that, you know, horrific mess in Mexico. Yeah. So, you know, obviously we're going to, we'll probably stop short of making any, any types of comments as it pertains to what, what the reaction should be. But, you know, again, I think, at minimum, we land on this is something that should have never happened. Yep. Yep. All right, Josh. Uh, it's time to get out of here. But first, uh, where can they find you? LAFC Josh on Twitter. You can follow the show at counterpress underscore. If you are looking to steal some video analysis, you can find it there or at Kirk Kinsey. I'm taking mental notes of, <laughs> of all of you out there. Continue to do it. I love um, it. Also, imitation is the greatest form yeah, of flattery. Also, make yes. sure subscribe to the Substack if you haven't. We're trying to put a little bit there more content out there. Um, both we have our some match previews, probably get some you know some player profiles from Kirk here, kind of looking a little bit more in depth at some of the tactics and you know try to get some different things out there for you guys. So um, yeah, check that out. You can subscribe. So everything's free there. Um, it'll push it to your email. You know, said, or you can you know you'll you can check out some of the stuff, you know, as it pops up on Twitter as well. Absolutely. So we will see you or (laughs) we're not going to see anybody. We'll talk to you all after the Miami game. Good night. (laughs)